0: All right, what is up? Jack Hoy and Dan Koch are joining the Spin Zone. I'm asking both of them five questions, questions that came out of my head, questions that I find very interesting to talk to people about. And see some varying points of views. Honestly, Jack and Dan see a lot of things eye to eye, but there are some disparity between their answers here. And the whole thing just provided for a very interesting conversation into various aspects of uh, the Bible and church and philosophy and those sorts of things. So uh, I know you guys enjoy uh, these two. And uh, so this is going to be a treat. God bless. And I hope you can hang with the spin zone. all right. we are here for another round of something that we have recently started doing. We're gonna ask five questions each of them will have a limited amount of time to answer and uh, if i if I remember correctly, Jack, my uh, scientific method studies back in high school and middle school and all of that. You would be the uh, the control group, I think, because you're always gonna. I'm not going to do this segment without starting with you. It's the it's a rule. This is like Jack's segment, and you're always going to start it. So does that make you the control group and everybody else the experimental groups? Am I right? Do do I remember correctly?
1: I I I did so bad.
0: Okay, In cool. Science. Thanks for the help. Awesome. Uh, so I think it is, I think what we'll do, even if we didn't do it this way last time, I'm pretty sure we did two minutes per question. I will let Jack know when he's out of time, and I, I am making a pact, an oath with myself that I will interrupt no matter what, even if Jack starts to talk about his grandfather with tears. I'm going to say, stop. Two minutes is up, and uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to move on. Now, at that point in time, Jack can choose to have an extra minute, but he can only do that once. So, Jack, I, don't think I appreciate I did
1: it at all. Last time, did I?
0: Yeah, you did. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you took it. Took it up. I think it was the um, the question about whether or not God the Father is worshipped as a father because uh, because of cultural lenses, oh, yeah. or or because he really is, you know, kind of more of a male. I think I forgot how I, how I phrased it. I know what you're uh, talking about. But it is, it is really interesting. I was thinking about this, and you, you've you actually been on uh, the Bad Christian podcast back in the day. You were at a live mm-hmm. set in Charleston. You've been on Password. Yep. You like to be prepared, my friend. In fact, you don't like to really speak until you've really done your homework. So I really do feel like you're doing me a favor by doing these. Like I could it, see you saying, I don't yeah. want to do this, man.
1: It's what's, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've done here at Seacoast and also just personally with the Enneagram, right? right. So, you know, testing as a five and, and learning more what, what that means has actually really helped me understand like, Oh, so that's why I take forever to process. That's just <laughs> how I am. Um, I, I had thought that like maybe my brain just doesn't work very well in terms of processing things quickly. Cause other people seem to have answers way faster than I do. Yeah. Um, so, so no, all that to say, no, I don't especially like this format, but I do it because we are friends.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, is there a part of is there a part of you because you're so academically motivated? You're like, this is good practice. Like, this is good. Like, this is good for me.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, I do think it's a good thing to do. It's, it's the danger for me is that because I take a long time to process and because I'm a verbal processor, my fear is that I'm going to talk and talk and talk and then come to the end of the two minutes and go, and now to sum up, I believe the opposite of what I just told you.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let's not hesitate. Uh, feel free to ask for more clarification because I am not the best question asker, um, I come up with some awesome questions. I'll I'll say that, but I don't articulate them well. All right, so here's the deal. Christians are notorious for this, and I don't fault them for it. I've done the same thing myself, but they do this whole thing of, Jack, you have a son. You know how it would feel to sacrifice your son. You would never do it, and yet that's exactly what God did for you. Is... That in the supernatural realm, given our understanding, our limited understanding of God, do you think that is a fair jump to make? I do not. I don't think that, like, I don't think that we can understand the Trinity. Um, I believe in the Trinity, but if if it's true, then these three have been hanging out forever. They're all God. I don't see it on the same level as me putting William on a sacrificial altar and sacrifice him. I don't see it. Is that a good analogy to make?
1: So I think that uh, any analogy of God is going to necessarily fall short just because of the fact that you're trying to, uh, make an analogy for a being who is beyond our understanding in every sense. Right. So the only way we know anything about God is by what he has revealed to us, either, uh, through the world or through special revelation, um, uh, through his word, his prophets, that sort of thing. Um, and so analogies are helpful. Uh, I think where a lot of people get tripped up is, uh, is that they forget that at some point every analogy breaks down. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the thing about, I I guess what I would say is I think that's a fine analogy as long as it's just a launching off point to talk about other things. Cause the idea that, um, you know, Oh, you know, imagine what it'd be like for you to sacrifice your son. And that's what God did for you. It's like kind of, but not really. Um, It's a picture of what he did, but uh, Jesus is God. And just like you said, in in some ways, it's it's not so much uh, imagine what it would be like for you to sacrifice your son. That's what God did for you. It's no, no. Imagine what it would be like to sacrifice your son. Um, What God did for you is immeasurably more difficult than that. Right. Because you, you think that Trinity is you know existing in a perfect relationship with one another. They're all at harmony. They love each other with perfection. They're one, even though they're three persons. And so it's like it was infinitely more difficult. And so in a sense, wow. that analogy okay. is helpful in terms of where it pushes you. But if you if you just stay with that analogy, it's actually very limiting in what it tells you about God.
0: All right, so your good job you you had uh, like 10 seconds to spare, but I always like to follow follow up with some stuff. Um I I still uh, I I think that you are I'm speechless, man. I am I, I can't even get the words out. I think that you are on the money as far as analogies breaking down, but even with what you just said as far as how hard it was for God Mm -hmm. Was it he he knew that everything was going to be okay in just a couple mornings from now, Sunday morning, everything's going to be fine. Is it that in your mind, it was tough to see him experience that pain and to take the sins of the whole world?
1: Well, so so the idea of. You know, he knew everything was going to be okay. I mean, so that's in Philippians, whatever passages it talks about. You know, for the joy set before him, right? right? So, in other words, he he did know the final outcome. Um, but just like you know, even if even if you knew that the outcome of a very serious surgery would be fine, you're still going to go in there with fear. Um, and so, and so in other words, I guess we would say is is if it wasn't hard for God, then Jesus is pretending in Gethsemane, right? He's lying, um, or he's a coward, right? So, so there's, if that fear and that anguish isn't real in the garden of Gethsemane, when he's wrestling with what he has to do, um, if that isn't real anguish, then it's something else. It's either cowardice or it's pretending, um, neither, neither of which I think is, is acceptable. Gotcha. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I do think that was real despite what he knew.
0: Yeah. Do you ever have like a knee jerk reaction? Like, it, it's been a recent thing that uh, annoys me, I think. And it reminds me a lot of myself for so much of my Christian adulthood. You know, I just thought I had figured out a great theology. I have all the formulas down, I can explain anything to anyone. And what bothers me of what I used to do and what I hear people doing now, I mean, I hear people even at SeaCoast do it, and that is talk about God formulaically in a way of, well, how do you even, how do you know that? You just said something about God that's not necessarily ironed out in the Bible, but you mm-hmm. just, you just put two and two together, and you're making your own conclusion. I'll give you an example. I heard yeah. some. I'm pretty sure I heard someone recently at SeaCoast, and I've said the same thing many times, and I think maybe I even believe it. Maybe I don't. But it was, um, when you get serious with God, demons take notice. Uh, okay. I, I, what if, what if God actually makes you invisible to demons when you're serious? Like what if he blesses you and like, Oh, he's getting serious with me. I'm going to protect. Do we know that? I mean, do we, and, and no. I guess that's not a great example cause that's involving. No, no, demons. I, I get what
1: you mean. Well, so I, I think for me, um, for me, it's really about when, when people say things like that, it comes down to sort of two things. One is sincerity, right? Um, like, are you sincerely trying to express yourself? Are you sincerely trying to express a belief? Because if you're, if you're sincere, then I get a ton of leeway for, you know, clumsy with the wording, or maybe you're, inadvertently expressing something you don't mean to. Like, I, I think there's a lot of room for, for grace for that. If, if someone is sincerely trying to communicate something and for that example that you gave, right, they're sincerely trying to communicate. Oh, I assume they're being sincere, right? That when you follow Christ, you can expect spiritual warfare. Yeah. I think that's, I I think that sentiment is fine. Uh, even if it's expressed in a way that might be a little dramatic for me. Right. Um, now, um, you know, there are, oh, and I had one that's gone. The there are other things that, that we say, oh, I have it back, that we try to express. So sincerity is one. The other one is um, reflection. Have you actually thought about what is coming out of your mouth? And so one of those is, you know, I've heard a lot is, um, if God feels far away, guess who moved? And I hate that because the, the <laughs> answer is you did. But that's ridiculous. That's not true at all. God hides himself and moves and veils himself all the time in yeah. the Bible. Like this idea that if you feel far from God, it's your fault is so profoundly ignorant. Um, and to me, that's the, that is something someone somebody's probably trying to be sincere, but they haven't thought for more than two seconds about what just came out of their mouth. <laughs> God veils himself all the time. Right. Right. God, God removes himself and God makes himself hard to find sometimes. And there are various reasons he does that. Um, And so and so it's like there's the sincerity and then there's the reflection. Are you sincerely trying to express something that you believe is true? And then have you thought about it for more than five seconds to think about whether it is true?
0: So be a little more responsible with what you say, kind of.
1: That's I feel like that's a good policy for all things. <laughs>
0: for it's, it's kind of a universal thing here. You know when you talk just be a little more responsible. I I'm, I'm with you. All right, oh, next great. question 2 minutes. Yep. Does God change his mind?
1: No. No, that is an anthropomorphism. Uh so anthropomorphism is hey, I know the what Bible. you mean,
0: because I'm really smart, yep. but explain that to our dummies.
1: Sure. For everyone other than Joey. <laughs> um, anthropomorphisms are basically ascribing human characteristics to God. So when we say uh the hand of God did something, we're not saying that God literally has physical hands. Uh now, now that people like, but you know, oh, so Jesus isn't God? That's what we're talking about. So don't be stupid. Um Uh, When we say God, like God the Father, right, the God um, that the people uh, worshipped in the Old Testament, the God that we pray to, right, the the member of the Trinity, the transcendent God the Father who has no body. Um, He has no hands. And yet we speak at the hand of God. Anthropomorphisms are ways for us to understand a being who is beyond our understanding. And so when you find in the Bible things like God regretted something he did, or God changes his mind, um, those are not expressions of actual things God is doing. That is the closest approximation to our ability to understand what that would be like for God. Yeah. Right. So from our perspective, it looks like God is changing his mind, but that's because we can't really conceive of, because we can't really conceive of a perfect being doing something that he knows isn't going to work and then doing something else to us. That's changing your mind to us. That's regretting, but it's not that for God, but we also don't really know how to talk about that when it comes to a perfect being, why would a perfect, I was actually having this conversation with someone last night in my Genesis class or two nights ago. And she's like, it doesn't make any sense to me why God would create humans and then kill them with a flood if he knew that was going to happen. And so anthropomorphisms are just this way of us trying to express in human terms what is happening with the person of God.
0: Nice. Awesome. Third question. Did Seth or any of his siblings, kids of Adam and Eve, have to basically get it on with a sister, like a biological sister. Um, if and, and I and I'll even I don't even mind saying if if a literal translation of Genesis and uh Garden of Eden and all of that is seen as historical, is there yeah. any other
1: way for that to have happened? Um Uh, short answer is no. So in other words, so when, when it talks about that Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel and in between Cain and Abel being born and Cain killing Abel, we have no concept for how much time has elapsed, right? Um, no concept, uh, or, or between, um, you know, uh, uh, Seth being born and the murder of Abel, right? Like, so in other words, these things that are happening, right? Adam lived for, I think, 930 years. Um, when did Cain take a wife? Right? It's not just that Cain took a wife. When did he take a wife? So it could have been a sister. It could have been a, a distant cousin. Because if if people are, if all these people are having kids, right, and human civilization is growing, again, assuming a literal reading of, of the Genesis account, um, then... If you read it literally, then yes, they basically have to procreate with family members, Um, but it doesn't have to be system. They do. I mean, there's no other option unless unless you believe that God also specially creates a bunch of other people. But then like like, all of this is speculation. Right. But yeah, if those are the only people, your options are pretty limited. Um, And so, yeah, short answer is assuming a little reading of Genesis, the only way And assuming that God did not specially create other people, the only options for marriage would be siblings or relatives.
0: Gotcha. All right. Demons rebelled in heaven. Can you explain to us why theologically that is not possible for humans to do after the end of all things? So this time a million years from now, if we're all in heaven chilling, like what is it about us that can't do that again?
1: Mm, Okay. I don't think I'm going to take my extra minute for this one. I think I can do this. All right. Um, so one of the things that I think people get wrong or misunderstand about, uh, Eden, right? Like before sin and heaven when they think about those two things is is to assume that heaven is basically a return to how things were before sin and that's not true wow um heaven is something different or, or at least the new heavens and the new earth right like after the final judgment eternity that is something different um, in the Garden of Eden, you have animals eating each other. You have, um, you know, this sort of this, these natural things happening. But then in heaven, one of the images is the wolf laying down with the lamb. Um, this idea that relationships between animals are somehow new and different. So when you go back to the beginning, there is sort of the possibility of sin. And uh, for some reason, that possibility doesn't seem to be a uh, present in eternity. Um, and I i don't know how to, ex- I don't know how to describe what that means or why that is. Um, it's not, it can't be a simple like, oh, now you have less free will um, because then there would be literally no reason for God not to do that in the beginning. If it right. was simply a matter of limiting free will, he could have done that with Abba Eve. But that, that's not what's happening. Um, there's something about, you know, being restored and this idea that, you know, it talks about in Revelation that the tree of life is there and that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. There's something about the healing that happens when we go into eternity that just removes, I guess, the even the faintest desire for sin. And I don't know how to express how or why, but that seems pretty clear to me from uh, the Bible.
0: Nice. So, I mean, I've even thought about it this way, like, maybe our free will doesn't go away. And it, and it sounds like you said something similar, but maybe that choice is off the table. And so, yeah,
1: well it's, it's, I think, you know, when you go through a very significant life change that completely reorders your priorities, right? Like when you have kids and suddenly things that were important to you literally don't matter anymore. Right. And suddenly things that would have, I mean, like one of the weirdest things to me right after, uh, my first was born, was, was like, huh? I don't mind getting puked on. Right. That's something that would have bothered me a few months ago, but now yeah. this tiny person is throwing up on me, and I—it's—I don't even care. Right? And and like something small like that, but also, in terms of things that were very important to me beforehand, like, like like time to myself and, you know, and reading and all these things that matter to me. Suddenly my ability to do these things is limited, but my priorities have changed so much and my heart has changed, right? Like the orientation of my heart has changed so much because of the introduction of this little person into my life whom I love. It's like my heart has changed. And so the way I approach things has changed, and yeah. things that I cared about suddenly I don't, and choices that I want that I used to want to make no longer have any appeal to me. Yeah, and I think I think it's something sort of like that, right? Like where are, where we are so profoundly changed that um, I would almost say that the possibility of sin is still there, but the desire is gone. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. Like, could you sin? Maybe, but you won't because your heart has been so profoundly reoriented towards God and there's no going back.
0: Yeah. I mean, would you be comfortable with saying, uh, like, let's say this is God speaking and he's like, look, I needed to start things off with the choice to have knowledge of good and evil. I knew you would choose that and I needed that to happen so that you could know throughout all eternity what you are being spared from.
1: Well, I would, I would say everything before the, so that, yeah, like, I don't know what the, so that is. I know to me, it's, it's clear that for God, a fallen world redeemed was better than a perfect world that never fell. Um, so if you believe that the purposes of God are accomplished, right. And the will of God cannot be thwarted. Then to me, what that means is, and this again, that's not to say that people don't go against the will of God. They do. We do grieve him, but if you believe that, in the end, all of God's purposes are fulfilled, then to me, basically what you're saying, right, um, everything that has happened was necessary, but the so that is what I don't know. gotcha, I don't know why, yeah, and then to me that 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 is something that is very difficult to understand why presumably an all powerful being could make things so that everyone would choose him through their own free will without it being impinged upon. Um, and that sin would never happen. Presumably a perfect and all powerful being could do that, but he chose not to. And I don't want to minimize the fact that he chose not to. I don't want to like hide from that. Um, and that's the, the, it's the, so that, the why, so why did he do things that way? I don't know.
0: Right. Right. All right. Last question. And I, I I think there's an element of, of, of pride in your heart, Jack, that you don't want to take that extra (laughs) minute. I mean, I think you're like, if I can get through this without taking that extra minute, I'm better than the other person. that's cool. I like that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, man. Is God ever okay with, or has he been okay? Is he okay ever with polygamy?
1: Oh, man. Okay. Taking the extra minute. Um, well, maybe. I don't know. Um... So it's, it's the, is he okay with this? I'm going to say no. Um, in the sense of, so there are going to be a lot of things that your friends do, that your kids do that you are not okay with, but that's not to say like, and therefore I shun you. Or and therefore I'm going to do these things to you. Right. Right. Um. And I think it's the it's it, you know to me what it probably gets back to is you know in in um, Matthew where the Pharisees are talking about um you know Jesus talking about Jesus about divorce and and they they say so so if you know if divorce is so bad why did Moses allow a man to give his wife a certificate of divorce and Jesus basically says because you guys were so terrible that. You couldn't exist unless God made some concessions. Right. And so I think that um, maybe let me put it this way. So in in Genesis, after the flood uh, or before the flood, God says, man is so sinful, I'm going to kill them all. Then after the flood, God says, man is so sinful, so I'll never destroy the earth again. What? Yeah. Literally, the thing you said is the reason for the flood is now why you're saying you're not going to do it. And it's sort of a concession. It's a way of saying, this is how you are. And therefore, the reality of sin means that I'm going to make some allowances for how things are going to be. And what that means is that cultures get to the point where things happen in them that is that is bad, that are bad. And I think polygamy is one of those things. I think polygamy is one of the things that, and I'm definitely taking that extra minute. Um, polygamy is one of the things where... It is not the plan of God. It is not something that is good. Um, but you know, here's what God doesn't do. And and people have the same complaint when it comes to slavery in the new Testament. God doesn't just roll up into a new culture and say, Hey, guess what? Everything you do is bad. Right. Only do these things or I'm going to kill you. Right. Yeah. Um, he meets people where they are and, uh, and there are, uh, sort of, uh, now now here 's one thing there 's nothing in there 's nothing in the Bible about in the in the law about here 's how to have a successful polygamous marriage right it doesn 't make that assumption right uh, neither does it ban polygamy um, and yet what happens eventually what happens eventually is that uh polygamy ends in Jewish culture, and what happens eventually in Christian culture uh slowly over time is Look at look at all these things in the gospel. Right? We we can't have slaves. This is a horrible institution. And so no, God is not okay with polygamy. Um, but what he doesn't do is roll up and say, "Hey, th- you have this f- sin in your culture. Uh, get rid of it immediately, or I'm not going to deal with you." Yeah. Okay. Um, because we'd never be able to meet God where we where he is.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, I I kind of put that in in the same category of you and I both know that we can't respond well i guess i guess we can but then it would be overbearing which i guess proves my point but if i did something every single time my kid whined Mm -hmm. yeah i i would basically have them on lockdown you know i mean and and that's just i don't think that's being a good father like every (laughs) every time you whine i'm sending you to timeout and you spend all of your days in timeout because you haven't learned you know and then isn't whining somewhat a type of expression for a kid that age and sure we should try to mitigate it but isn't it also maybe somewhat natural for that age just like we whine but it's in an adult way and it may not sound whiny as an adult but it's still whining
1: yeah right yeah all
0: right so grade me on these questions uh as far as challenging a b c d f
1: well, I mean, like, if I think about the most horrific thing you could possibly ask me, these are probably C. <laughs> but it's like, in terms of like some of the questions you can roll up in here with like, yeah, hey, listen, they, these were not so bad. Uh, they're, they're in terms of so in terms of like things that would that would make me break out in a sweat once you asked me, these are like C. But in terms of things that I think are, are really good, interesting questions, I think they're definitely all B's and A's.
0: Now do you would you break out in a sweat because of your reputation, your job, and all of that stuff, or break out in a sweat because you're like, I have no idea?
1: Um, no. What neither, but closer to the first. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that more, to you, homie. The the internet is a hellscape from which we we're all <laughs> desperately trying to escape. And uh it's more of it's more of the I, I care very much about expressing myself clearly. And thoughtfully. And uh and so questions that are minefields, it's not so much I don't want to answer them, it's that I want to make sure that these are things I've thought about.
0: Yep. Makes sense. Jack Hoy, I appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, anytime. Love doing these.
0: All right. Well, it is Dan Coke in the flesh. Maybe the first time that we've ever sat across from each other to do this thing. It's pretty I cool, think man. That's true,
2: yeah. It's pretty cool. That's yeah, true.
0: So same rules apply, and uh, we just had Jack Hoy answer these questions, and uh, a lot of people liked hearing how you guys answered. <laughs> eh, people put a lot of stock into what you say, Dan. Wow. Does that make you nervous or happy, <laughs>
2: or both? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both, <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. Well, basically, you will have two minutes for each question, and for one of the questions, you can opt to get an extra minute extra and you can minute. tell me at any point how many questions uh there's going to be five questions okay yep and the first question let's see all right taking in consideration what the gospel narrative is traditionally we read about a father who made a sacrifice that you wouldn't make that for anyone, like you would never sacrifice your son. So they just make that leap of God did something that we can relate to but would never do. And my question to you is, did it really feel to God like sacrificing his son in the same way that if I decided I need to sacrifice William for God and I lay him down on an altar and sacrifice him, That's what God did to Jesus. That's how it felt to him because I can't imagine it. So, do you, the the question basically is, can you make that jump? Because I stopped believing in all that sentimental stuff because I'm just like, there's no way it's that simple. I have no idea what it felt like to be Father God sending his son, especially with all the Trinity uh, implications here.
2: Yeah. I mean, if the, if your question's not about, that particular atonement theory right. as compared to other ones. So just leaving that aside, if, if the question is really about does God suffer in a way like we suffer, I think that God does, in fact, suffer. Yeah. I don't know uh, how similar or dissimilar that suffering is. Um Certainly, I think the more we anthropomorphize God, the less close we are to, to probably— accurate description of God, right. because in some sense, God is surely beyond our language. But if you're asking me, did God does God experience suffering for the sake of loving His creation? Yes, I, I believe that God does.
0: Okay. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so you would say it's not altogether far-fetched to talk about it in that way, that there's some truth no. to find there, probably.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Dale B. Martin, New Testament scholar, says that... You know when he when he confesses he descended into hell in as part of the Nicene Creed. Yeah, Martin says, "Look, that's just another way of saying there's no place, there's no suffering, there's no darkness, there's nowhere in the universe or in the personal experiences of people that Christ does not go with us." in our suffering. Yeah. So I would affirm a very robust notion of God's suffering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, sticking with God, does he
2: change his mind? Does God change God's mind? I don't know. I um I'm pretty, you know, I'm I'm an open theist and uh I'm pretty interested in process theology. But I, I don't know quite enough about it yet to have an you know, opinion one way or the other. But one of the things that process theologians say is that God is changed. And I guess all open theists would say this to some degree. God is changed by history. Yeah. God is affected in some way, and then any kind of effect is changed. doesn't mean that God's immutable essence has changed. Right. But something about God's – even if we just say God has now experienced this moment in time – just like we have right that's a change yeah uh so I would say insofar as like does God decide to do something different one based on stuff that happens yeah, I think probably so if it's does God's main purposes ever change in terms of how God feels about you does that does God change God's mind about what God feels about people no right. it's always unconditional love it's always towards peace and justice and harmony, but God might take different steps based on what happens in time.
0: Nice, man. It's funny. I am thinking of questions to do next time around based on your answers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see you taking some notes there. I love
0: the conversation of, does God have emotions? Like That is Mm. just so fascinating because... Uh, you, anthropo- anthropomorphizing. How do you say yeah. it?
2: Anthropomorphizing. Yeah,
0: when yeah. you do that to God, obviously you have to describe emotions. I mean, like the yeah. the narratives, but he does, and, and then involving this same question is does he experience moments at a time? Because that's where emotions right. come from is, oh, I'm in a situation that's changing the way that I feel. You
2: know? I think that God can't experience emotions the same way that we do because our emotions are located in our brain. Right. With particular chemicals being fired, you know, firing yeah. and whatnot. Obviously, we we wouldn't be able to say that God has that experience right. because God doesn't have a physical body. Right. Jesus had the emotions that we have, yeah. in basically exactly the same way. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, God the Father can't, but to say that, but you have. I think we do have to say that God suffers in some sense. I mean, that's very biblical.
0: Right, you're doing a good job, Dan. Thank very you. Good. Thanks. Jimmy. All right. Did Seth or one of his brothers get it on with one of their sisters?
2: Is this a Genesis question about like limited people on the earth? Yep. I don't think that Seth existed. You don't think that Seth existed? Okay. So basically Noah existed. Right. Where where does
0: history start in the Bible, as far as you're concerned, as far as actual people?
2: I don't know. And and I it's a question I'm really interested in, and I could probably do a lot more reading about it to come to a better opinion. I'll say this. What needs to have happened to me is the only thing that needs to have happened historically is the exile yeah. into Babylon. Yeah, uh, If that could be proven to not have happened, which I, I believe there's tremendous evidence that it did happen, if that were to not have happened, I would be like, okay, this whole thing is a bunch of crap. Right. Um, I would guess that, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think King David and Saul were historical people. Right. Um, Solomon, uh, There's there's evidence for that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about anybody before that. I'm not sure about Moses or anything.
0: I hear you. Okay, so we have been taught that one-third of the angels rebelled at one point following Lucifer, who seemed to be the worship leader in heaven, second only to God. So basically, there was a rebellion in heaven. I don't know what your outlook on the afterlife is, but... If the afterlife is anything like people envision it, it's a it's a forever place of grand living and great food and no sickness, no pain, no war or anything like that. But if that's the case, and the demons once had something along those lines and they rebelled, why not humans rebel again? Like like I don't Dan and I, you and I are planning on having a you know a good time in the afterlife, but. Can someone ruin it for us?
2: I don't think that that description of the angels rebelling in heaven is like an accurate play-by-play. I yeah. think it is a true myth. And, I, you know, it's a poetic – it's got poetic, theologic meaning. Right. So it's something like, look, even if uh, – I don't know, something to the effect of – I'm off the top of my head, even when things are going so well and, you know – God is blessing you abundantly, uh, you still have the capacity to rebel against God. And I don't, you know, I don't have very formed thoughts on demons and angels and all that. So I just take my answer here with a huge grain of salt, but I don't think that it describes whatever our future looks like. So I wouldn't worry about that, like as a live possibility or something. I just think it's, it's not the function of those stories. Gotcha. All right, and lastly, is God okay with
0: polygamy in certain situations?
2: No, never. It's always exploitative. It's never healthy. Even in and my my dad wrote a whole book about this. Even in Genesis, when even even just in the narrative of Genesis, whether or not you think that stuff happened, all those people who get involved in extramarital stuff, bringing their slaves in for. Impregnating them, you know, all this stuff that was very commonplace, it always goes poorly. So even the writer of Genesis is like using it as a morality tale. Is it? The writers of Genesis, yeah. And so I would say, no, God has never wanted polygamy, God has never wanted slavery, God has never wanted uh unjust subjugation of, of people of any kind.
0: So would you put this in the same category as divorce then? One of those things sure. that yeah. God doesn't like, but it's there
2: yeah I don't even I mean when you know when Jesus says God Moses permitted you divorce like I don't even know if I think that God really did permit it right or if that was like the best that the Israelites could do at the time yeah thinking about it yeah I probably lean towards the latter yeah so I think God never never wants that stuff
0: yeah awesome Dan Coke appreciate it man